Sing Cruces de Limites Nostris, Limnus Deus Nostris, Nomini Pazzi, Fidi, Pitus Santi. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We are all very well aware that the figures placed in the very extremities of the nativity scene, far off, way down where the mountains are, the paper mache mountains, are sometimes forgotten, but they are there and they are the Magi. I'm sure if you look at your nativity scene, they're not going to be that close to the baby Jesus, but they're there. Sometimes they're wearing turbans, or at least elaborate clothing of some kind, and of course always accompanied by camels, bringing with them their rich treasures for the child on senses that they have been traveling for quite a long time as they've come all the way from the east, from what we would call today Persia, or they were from Persia, east wise men from the east, today modern-day Iran. Indeed, the Church believes and prays that the wise men from the East were indeed guided by a star. They were stargazers. They, it was a habitual part of their work to look at the stars and see the beauty of the firmament. And there was that unique star that had this special brightness and uh, something within them, not just the star itself or just the color or just the brightness, but something prompted them to go and make their way to Bethlehem. Probably they had prophecies too about a king that would be born around this time. And they make their way. And that is only the beginning of a great procession which winds its way through history, a long journey that was only the, really the very beginning. And the central prophecy here is from Isaiah chapter 60, which appears in today's reading, first reading, as well as Psalm 71, which also appears in the reading. But in particular, the passage from Isaiah, which is so clear, 
also appears in the breviary this morning, I read this morning. And it's, it's so wonderful, it's, it's just so full of poetry and beauty, talking about what the wise men did. Of course, it was written centuries, centuries before. Arise, shine out Jerusalem, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is rising on you. Though night still covers the earth and darkness the people. Above you, the Lord now rises. And above you, his glory appears. The nations come to your light and kings to your dawning brightness. Lift up your eyes and look around. All are assembling and coming toward you, your sons from far away and your daughters being tenderly carried. At this sight you will grow radiant, your heart throbbing, and full. Since the riches of the sea will flow to you, the wealth of the nations come to you. Camels in throngs will cover you. And dromedaries of Midian and Epaph, everyone in Sheba will come, bringing gold and incense and singing the praises of the Lord. A beautiful imagery that Isaiah evokes here from the very central section of the book of Isaiah, which clearly, as he writes, is filled with joy, is filled with hope. Beginning with Jerusalem that is leaping with joy, the holy city will be a place of radiance, will be a place of righteousness. And it's as though the prophet is overjoyed. Something is, is filling him with great joy. And so he writes this hymn. He's thrilled. He's, he's dancing practically. And the radiance of that city is like a magnet for all the nations. Imagine everything around is dark, but that city there is bright and it draws all nations. Because, because it instructs in the law, it instructs in the word of God, and it's like a light that draws so many Pope Francis has declared that the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, which is in a few weeks from now, will be the Sunday of the Word of God. We'll devote the celebration to the study, to the dissemination of the Word of God, to the Scriptures, to the New Testament, to the Old Testament, understanding it, loving it. It'll be like that star that'll draw us. But the incarnate Word of God is Jesus himself. He's alive. He's that. He draws himself. He draws to himself, rather. And, of course, we know that many, many pilgrims wanted to come back to the city. Many that were Jews. But they were in exile. Many were in exile. But foreigners, too, wanted to come to Jerusalem. 
and they would come to Jerusalem with very wealthy materials that would embellish the temple. They knew that the central part of Jerusalem, of course, was the temple, and the temple is good and beautiful, but at the same time, the most important here now is the very purpose of the temple, which is the coming of the Lord, who will in turn bring gifts in abundance. He'll bring what kind of gifts? Well, he'll bring peace, he'll bring light, and so many will come to him. But especially those from the east. And in the east they had those precious commodities like silver, like gold. And we can picture now those three wise men who represent uh, the universality of all the nations. But they are coming from the east. And they've decided upon seeing that light, seeing that star, that unique star, that it's worthwhile making the arduous journey. It wasn't just like getting in a, into a car. It was a difficult journey. There were probably very few roads. The very idea of roads in many ways is... Uh, is quite the Roman invention who, that made this network of roads throughout the Roman Empire allowing the dissemination precisely of the Word of God. They made these very solid roads, many of them still exist today. But from the East, though the Empire did go pretty far, uh, the amount of roads was much less, and so it was a dangerous trek, especially considering they had all that value. They had gold, frankincense, myrrh, valuable items. They could easily have been you know, jumped by brigands. But the long trip was worth it because it was life-changing. People would make, when they would go on trips like that, they would make their last will and testament before undergoing any, any trip. Today we're used to it. But the long list of pilgrimages made to the temple in Jerusalem now prefigures these, these magi coming not just to the temple but to the real thing, to Jesus himself. So like those wise men, like those magi, we know that there are still very many riches for us to discover, so much beauty, so much light, so much love in our vocation. And, well, they came, they arrived, and they adored him. They opened their treasures, they gave of themselves. One uh, doctor of the church from the 4th century his name was uh, Peter Chrysologos he was from Italy, from Ravenna became the bishop of Ravenna and um, he came to be known as Chrysologos because Chrysologos means golden worded logos Christos, Christos logos like gold worded because he, he had a great um, oratorial experience and exceptional oratorial skills when he spoke. And uh, apparently that his sermons were known for being brief, 
and to the point, which you know, is helpful to know for many priests that they be just to the point. And uh, somehow a lot of those were transcribed, and we still have a lot of those. And on today's feast, I found this in the uh, commentary of the Navarre Bible to to Isaiah. It's the it's the commentary to the passage of Isaiah that we just read. He says, uh, "Today, the wise men, the wise man, finds lying in a manger the one he had searched for." as a brilliant light shining among the stars. Today the wise man sees wrapped in swaddling clothes the one he longed, he long sought to find unveiled in the heavens. Today, to his great surprise, the wise man discerns in what he studies. Heaven on earth, earth in the heavens. Man in God and God in man. What the whole universe could not contain <coughs> inhabits now the body of a child. And seeing all this, he believes and doubts no more. And he announces it, announces it all, he announces it to all, using his mystical powers. Incense for God, gold for the king, and myrrh for the one who will die. Today the Gentile who was one last is first because the faith of the wise men sanctifies the belief of all faithful, of all, of all people. It's a, it's a beautiful expression, you could say, of what the wise men found and the joy that has to fill us today as we celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany. We can see these wise men now. They were partly, well, they're called Magoi, which is where we get the word magician from. They were wise men, but their essential um, profession, the essential thing that they spent time on was studying the stars. They were stargazers, stargazers. And... Of course, they, every night they waited until the sun was down. So I always suspect that they slept a lot during the day because all night they were looking at the, at the stars, right? That's the only time you can really look at them as far as I know. And uh, they didn't have anything to distract them. Like here, we don't notice the stars because, well, we're not, we're, uh, we're inside and, and the light, whatever, the light from the city it prevents us from really seeing it. You see it when you go out into the countryside, and then you see the beauty, the, the, the incredible nature of the firmament. And when they saw that star, it's clear with the experience that they had and the attempts to understand the world through that. I mean, no, there's no culture, there's no culture that has not had some form of stargazing. Many cultures... Many religions even saw divinities in the stars, divinities in the planets. They understood the difference between stars and planets. And many of them had, they, they, they really thought that they were divine. And, uh, but 
what is it that led them to have this sense of hope as they saw that star? Why did they have that? Something generated in them the idea of that, that the language of the star, that is its brightness, its beauty, its position, what they all knew about stars, now this one was new, and it wasn't just, oh, a new star, oh, it's got this shape. It, it, it generated hope. Well, clearly, if it had not generated hope, they would not have gone off on a journey. But probably they were people of inner unrest, people already of hope, people on the lookout for the true star of salvation. They were ready. They were open, you could say, to hearing about it. They were not just astronomers. They were, as St. Matthew says, they were wise. They were wise. If they had just been astronomers, they probably wouldn't have gotten up to go. Pope Benedict says that they represent the inner dynamic of religion toward self-transcendence, which involves a search for truth, a search for the true God, and hence philosophy in the original sense of the word. So that's why, that's what got them up, that's what got them going, because they were really, they were, they were restless in that sense, meaning that they were anxious to tap into something great and beautiful outside of themselves, beyond themselves, beyond their needs, beyond just I don't know, their needs, like eating good food and uh, beyond anything that they, can, um, they could imagine. So, as we begin this new year, let's be like the Magi. Let's be full of hope. Because we too have to tap into our loftiest possibilities. The loftiest possibilities of our own formation, of our own knowledge, of our own hope about the spirit of the work that will inform us throughout this year. The spirit of the faith. About doctrinal knowledge, apologetics, philosophy, metaphysics. Why not? Can we be in some ways like those wise men? Maybe... Maybe we can say, okay, Lord, I'm going to cut down on Instagram. I'm going to cut down on, on YouTube and open some books. I know there's lots to be done in the administration. I know you have a lot of work um, and you want to do it well. But there's also lots of things to read. And it's important to nourish this desire, like the star of wisdom that guides us. What, what makes you think? What makes you wonder? What do you talk about in the end, in the get-togethers or with others or with your friends? These Magi were, were thinkers. They were searchers. They would, they would ponder things. Why is that star here? Why is that, why is that like that? Why are these... And they would think about these things. They would try to figure it out. They were... You know... There was this verve, this dynamism, their courage. Well, that is all shown by the fact that they were able to undertake what was really a perilous journey. I mean, it was a perilous journey, that's for sure. I mean, 
God bless uh, camels and dromedaries, but uh, it was still difficult. And we too, we have to be searchers. We have to be like those wise men, looking out for what God is asking of us. Pope Benedict says that they represent religion, the religions moving towards Christ. In a way, they are like the successors, successors of Abraham, who set off in a journey in response to God's call. Remember what God said to Abraham. He said, look at the stars. Look at the stars. They will be, you know, your progeny will be like the stars. And he looked up and he said, whoa. And that instilled within him a great desire to go off into a place that he did not know. He said, go. God said, go. Go into this journey. Your, your stars, your, your progeny, your, your family will be greater than this. So we, we also have to, like Abraham, set off on a journey now, this year. In a journey in response to God's call, in, a, in response to God's will, in response to our own desire to embrace the truth about ourselves, about what we, how we need to grow, in response to just the truth. In response to our apostolic drive, because ultimately apostolic drive is a desire for others to embrace the truth fully and to make to have their life informed by it. That we be truly seekers of the truth, preparers of the way, seekers after a kind of a fullness of meaning of, of truth such uh, like we can find in every age. And we find that a lot among young people. We have it seeking the truth in our, in our work, in our daily activities, in our apostolates, among our friends. We have to listen to them. We have to lead them higher. We cannot let uh, superficial distractions simply entertain us into things of interest. And I suppose uh, a lot of social media and things like that entertain us at a, at a base level, but don't really make us searchers of truth. There's those who say that the, the AI world now is taking over the artificial intelligence world, but really the, we sometimes imagine AI to be this, this massive computer or something that knows how to do everything, but really it's right among us right now through social media. It knows, it knows how to present what you like. It knows how to, how to manipulate your interests. It's already, we're already embedded in AI, for sure, through social media. It's interacting with us. It's giving us notifications. <clears throat> what is clear as we begin this year and as we celebrate today's epiphany, is that we must never be indifferent or tired of searching for that beautiful star. They saw it, the Magi, and they thought it was beautiful. They were enamored by its beauty, full of wonder. Maybe because it shone more than the others, but there's something else about its beauty that touched them inwardly, deeply. 
and you and I have to search for the truth about our faith, the truth about how to be better, how to live, how to love God more, how to be better persons, how to live our vocation more faithfully. That's following the star. That's following the star. Never being in any way um, satisfied with any mediocrity, a mediocre star. The story of Christmas always is seen in terms of the ox and the ass. Well, the reason we have the ox and the ass, we know, is from Isaiah. Because he says that the the Lord will be found between, he will be between ox and ass. There's also a passage from Habakkuk that mentions that. But uh, this is from Isaiah, not from the gospel, the ox and the ass. And... Of course, the dromedaries and the camels, that's also from Isaiah, as we just saw. And it is said that those kings, those wise men, those magi, were said to be from all the continents, all the three continents, from Africa, from Asia, and Europe. That's why there's always a black king. And in your kingdom, Lord, there is no distinction of race or of origin. I heard an anecdote of uh, of uh, our father, where many years ago there was uh, I don't remember the context exactly, but somebody in one of the living rooms was painting a large, large painting of the Epiphany scene. So it was somehow in I don't know the exact nature of the painting. If it was a painting that was placed in some place, or if it was a wall painting, or I don't know exactly. But uh, so this. This brother of ours was painting and um, he was doing all the little details, the, the, the leaves and the flowers, and he had already painted all these figures all on their way to worship Christ. And, uh, and he had already painted the three magi. And they were three guys with, you know, turbans and stuff like that. And uh, our father looked at it, but saw that they were three white guys. And, uh, or at least pretty much white guys. And uh, our father looked at it and said, you know, uh, tradition says that one of the guys was a black guy. Eh? And uh, the artist uh, said, oh, okay. And um, I don't know, a day later or something like that, or whenever he came back, our father came back and saw that the guy now was a black guy. You know? <laughs> he had, uh, and, uh, and he mentioned to the artist, you know, I like, this is my favorite guy. This is my favorite guy in the whole, in the whole painting. You know? And um, maybe it was because he represented obedience, or I don't know. But uh, but sometimes the three kings are shown, or represent the three stages of life: youth, maturity, old age. At every stage, we're always looking for you at youth, maturity, or old age. Well, we can ask ourselves, was it really the star that guided them? St. John Chrysostom says it it was much more. Others say that too. Ignatius of Antioch says that. There's even an an epiphany hymn that says that the star outshone the beauty of uh, of the sun itself, that it was such a great 
star. In fact, even I read that Johannes Kepler, a German uh, astronomer in the 17th century, he calculated that the year about 7 BC or so, 6 BC, uh, that there was a very special conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn and Mars, a conjunction of all those three planets, just at the time when Jesus was born. And it created a kind of a supernova and just at, the, at Jesus' birth. And even that there are chronicles from ancient Chinese chronicles that talk about a special star appearing around that time. So whether it was a star, whether it was a supernova, or the conversions of the, those, those planets, because Babylon, that's the Persian Empire, they worshipped Jupiter as a god. And when they saw it lined up with Saturn, this led the Persian astronomers to, to see there that this must be the king of the Jews. So that's why they didn't stay put, they moved. It was really the Gentiles moving towards Christ. The language of creation in those planets points them and gives them really an intuition about God, as just as it happens when, when you look out in the starry night in the cottage uh, country, you see, it, you cannot help but think about God when you see that. So we ask our Blessed Mother, our Lady, Star of the Sea, with an ancient title for the Virgin Mary, Stella Madis. We also say the Ocean Star. Ask her to pray for us so that we really be impelled during this year to search for the truth, to move towards you and move many others around us to worship the child Jesus, to find the truth, to adore the truth, to make it part of our life. And our Blessed Mother will give us the courage we need. Stella Maris, Ora Pronopis. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me. In this meditation, I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.